LMT is a lens by which you assess all economic understanding. The street is full of corruption. It is baked in to every aspect of our society. 1900s, Lenin was predicting global finance capital would do all the things it's doing today. This is written over 100 years ago. All right, everybody, it is Steve, the Rogue Scholar, and folks, I, if you celebrate Christmas, I hope this weekend is fantastic for you. I hope you have time with your families. We all need some downtime. Um, I'm hoping that you're well, your health is good, et cetera. Um, today, I had a lot I wanted to talk about. Um, unfortunately, it required more research, and so I kind of got bottlenecked there. Somebody came to me early this morning and said, hey, Steve. In fact, let me go ahead and read to you what they said, and uh, that'll set the stage for our conversation. Um, hopefully, hopefully this will you know, help you uh, understand better why this is so freaking insane. We're going to talk about the gold standard today. He says, I would like to ask you, what is a good rebuttal when people claim the dollar is losing its spending power? and will be devalued as we have to resort to gold and silver. It's kind of trash a lot of right-wingers say, and even some really pathetic left-wingers. It says, and we have to resort to gold and silver. I'm asking because I have someone in my life who has been preaching this garbage for over a decade. And this person still claims he's a truth teller. After every prediction he has made doesn't happen, Fancy that the gold standard people predictions are wrong. Interesting, huh? Anyway, uh, this person still claims he's a truth teller after every prediction he's made doesn't happen. And people we know believe him. It drives me crazy. Shake my head. So I want to talk to you about a couple things. Number one, the premise by which they're talking about the gold standard is an idea that somehow or another Pegging the currency to gold means that its value will some, somehow or another stay up and not be devalued, right? And you don't have to look far to look at crypto to see hard currency with a set price, how easy it is for that to plummet and go to shit. You don't have to do much effort to see that at all because really when they built these crypto coins, what they tried to do was emulate a gold standard by limiting the amount that was created and creating some fictitious value surrounding it to tie it to. Well, what the gold standard did, and this is going back generations, a lot of folks would travel around the world and they would go to war and they would steal the gold out of the coffers and they would take it back. And that was what their kingdom's wealth was based on. And I know there's a lot of wretched people out there, disgraceful people that would like us to be a warmongering nation. We already are. They would like it a little bit more so we can be on a gold standard. So we have to go out there digging up wealth, destroying the environment, doing stupid things like that that really have no bearing on anything worthwhile. Totally useless mindset. But there are people out there, probably friends of yours, alt media people you probably listen to when you're not checking out this program, et cetera, that pump this garbage up. And so the idea of pegging a piece of paper, let's say this wrapper for this Belveda uh, bites is your paper dollar. And you're gonna say this thing right here is worth this thing of gold. 
And if you hand this thing back to me, I'll give you this thing of gold. That's our gold standard, okay? The problem with that, the gold goes down, or if you don't have enough gold, all of a sudden you create all this volatility in the market. The other thing is this. Who does a gold standard typically protect? Is it people who are struggling at the bottom, the poor? Or is it the wealthy who already have amassed massive amounts of wealth, but they want to make sure that at no time will their wealth ever be less than this gold nugget, right? This is about rich people ship, but terrible, disgraceful, evil people try to push for a gold standard. They don't understand. And they're bad people, folks. The people that do know that are pushing this stuff, they're not good people. They're people that are literally selfish as fuck, that are trying to get over on you and ultimately trying to make sure that they stay on top. That's it. Gold standard limits everything. So a, a country doesn't have the ability to do the things it needs to do. Now, mind you, this is where it gets challenging because I say that on one side of my mouth. On the other side of my mouth, I'm telling you that our government is a shitty government right now. We got really shitty people in there. They're right-wing, they're neoliberal, they're trash, they're corporatist, they're fascist, they're scum. They don't represent we the people. So the idea of them having a free-floating fiat currency, which is what we have today, allows them to send $50 billion to Ukraine without even talking about raising taxes because, you know, taxes really don't fund it. If, if we were dead broke and we're wondering where we're going to get this money from, they would have done tax hikes to pay for the, you know, military uh, payments to Ukraine. But alas, we know that it's bullshit. You know inherently that it's bullshit now, right? You should. So with that in mind, I want to be crystal clear. The idea of pegging a currency to gold means that if you say that the currency is worth one gram of gold for $1. I, I'm, it's terrible. I'm just using this as a state. One gram of gold equals $1. I can trade $1 in for one gram of gold or ounce of gold or whatever the hell it is, okay? If you do that, that's all you've done is you've, you've set this weird thing. And now the commodity is the thing driving the value of your currency, right? So when they say you're going to devalue or debase the currency, they're saying, you're printing more tokens against the gold. Now, we've talked about this a bunch. And for anybody that might be stumbling into this live stream that has never really thought of this or heard about this stuff, buckle up. For those of you who have heard this before, I'm trying to reinforce it for you because it seems that it never, like you may get it, but then you don't know how to talk to someone else about it. You don't know how to get past these objections. You don't know how to really work through the problem because they've got you spun up because it's usually people fast talkers they come out there with a the whole creature from jekyll isle bullshit because they're just that kind of person right they're that that they're that person right guy oh annoying shit right but the world's full of them okay and so within that space if you print more currency against your gold pool you either need to a go out and get more gold against the gold that you already have meaning you've got to either go dig it up, you got to go raid another country, steal their gold, you got to do something to get more gold in order to be able to print more money. You see what I mean? Like it's a ridiculous trade-off. There's no value for real in there. There's no real thing. 
So when they say debasing or devaluing, that's what they're talking about. Literally talking about printing more money against a fixed commodity. Okay. Well, with what we have today, we don't have that problem. Okay. And again, what does that problem really, really protect? Who are they trying to protect? It's the wealthy. It's got nothing to do with Jane and Joe public. It's 100% pointing up to the wealthy. All right. So let's get this out of the way. Is no such thing as debasing or devaluing a free floating fiat currency. You can't do it. It's got no base. The base of our current situation is that I will take $1 for $1 in tax liability. That's it. That's your new standard, not a gold standard. That's a fiat standard. That is the government takes $1 as a tax credit. That dollar it's issued as the government's liability and it's your asset. Okay. When you pay that dollar back, it settles $1 in tax liability. That's it. Okay. So the idea of pegging the currency to gold to maintain its value is a ridiculous, debilitating concept. The reason why almost all governments leave any kind of commodity backed currency is because it is so restrictive. It is so in just incongruent with a thriving society. It's not even funny. Okay. So when they used the gold standard in world war two and world war one and things like that, what they did was whenever they would spend money, they would sell bonds and those bonds were not to fund the government, but they were to take money out of circulation. So the money in circulation stayed roughly the same so that the value, so you could exchange your dollars for gold. That was the point of it, okay? It wasn't to fund the government. It was to remove currency out of it to make space for new spending. By selling bonds, you remove currency from the, uh, from the you know, average. You're not running down to Walmart or Walgreens or any other wall place and handing them a, a, a friggin' stock or a bond. You hand them currency, dollars, whatever. Now, these things, bonds, are very, very fluid. So it's not like it really takes it out because these things are transferable, saleable. They're almost liquid, okay? They have a time. They're like a, if you're going to say a six-month bond or a one-year bond, you're kind of like holding your money in there for that period of time. And at the end, new money is created to pay the interest. That's it. New money, not old money. They didn't take your tax dollar and pay their interest. No, they budget that new money. For the interest. Anyway, the point of it is we don't have to do that now. Even selling bonds today is a hearkening back to a time of long ago. It's gold standard logic. Okay. So what's happening now? They've raised interest rates in the current moment so that they can go ahead and transfer more money to the wealthy because interest payments are new money creation. Okay. They budget that. And that money ends up going out there. And that's why we haven't, quote unquote, been in a technical recession, okay? Because there's still more money being spent into the economy. It's just being spent to the top, to the people that already have money in the fire sector, people with investment capital, while the people below that don't have any money get nothing, zero, right? They just go in deeper debt and they pay a higher interest rate for the debt that they take on, okay? So this is a problem. Because if we had a zero interest rate policy, 
you wouldn't be defending a positive interest rate by raising interest rates. Okay. You wouldn't be doing that. You could eliminate that. The bond vigilantes would never have it. In fact, if you were to pay off the debt, you would have to, in essence, get rid of all the bonds. Now think about how many pension plans are dependent on federal government bonds because these things are safe bets. Why? Because the dealer always wins. The dealer's the currency creator. So every time you got to make a payment to a pension or whatever, currency creator can do it. That's why bonds are such a safe bet. That's why no one wants to get rid of them. But if you stop spending, they stop selling bonds. Okay, so part of this game here is understanding that they're jerking you around. They're jerking us all around. And until you push away from that, until you recognize that a dollar spent is backed by a dollar in tax, it's the full faith and credit of the nation. Now, some of this stuff is hard for me to talk about. I'm not going to lie, because I understand fundamentally that our government is captured. You're not telling me nothing I don't know. I get it. Our government is not serving our needs. So, so much of what I'm telling you is based on a hope and a desire that one of two things happen. Either A, somehow or another, miraculously, we're able to elect people that do serve our needs. I don't see it happening, but so be it. And the other thing is when they don't serve our needs, that enough of you haven't ignored it and ran off to listen to trash, that you've stuck around, you've ingested the information, and you realize that we need to organize and radicalize people around the idea of we have the money, we create the money, there's nothing preventing us from doing these things. We all want it, but the government's not doing it. Why not? If you can answer the question, why not, and it doesn't involve something like we need a revolution, then you're not really getting the point. The point is our government does not serve us. The parties do not serve us. They all serve capital. And even when they accidentally do something that benefits us, okay, even when they accidentally do something that benefits us, it's never with the intention of benefiting us unless it's just to quell down an uprising or quell down severe anger and rage. They always do just enough, give you enough hope and then snatch it away. It's not an accident, folks. It's not an accident. And it happens all the time. So one of the things that comes back to this is, we've talked about it before, but when Milton Friedman came out and told everyone that inflation was always a monetary phenomenon, it was always created by the federal government, quote unquote, printing money. Everyone stuck with that for whatever reason they didn't understand he was full of shit he admitted he was full of shit in his deathbed like he admitted he was wrong he admitted he lied but yet still libertarians hold on to this stuff this is why when people talk about bringing libertarians into the left i say you're full of shit you're sitting there working with right-wing people that are literally doing everything they can to fuck us they're not helping us okay they're not helping us and they're just as bad, if not worse, than your standard Republican mind. But all these bickerings down at the bottom level below the power structure, it's kind of silliness. This is the game they give us to play to keep us distracted from the fact that they're fucking us. Okay? And this is a really important thing. It's a really challenging thing if you haven't grasped what I'm talking about. Gold standard. We take an arbitrary amount of gold and we say it equals $1. 
an arbitrary amount. We can set it to whatever we want, but then the gold fluctuates, the dollar fluctuates, okay? If there's a run on gold, your dollar is going to be impacted. If suddenly someone like France, which did this many times, says, we want all of our debt paid back in gold. Guess what? If you don't have enough gold reserves, you either have to go out there and get it or you're broke. Now you can't do anything, right? This is intentional. This is what these dumbasses want us to do by putting us back on the gold standard. Okay? Reject that kind of moronic thinking. Anybody that says that stuff, anyone that says that stuff, anyone that says that stuff is not your friend. They're not. If they're pushing for a gold standard, they're baking in austerity into the very model, the very concept that the, austerity is murder. They're intentionally trying to limit the amount of money because they try to tell you that by printing more, it debases the currency, a baseless currency, a currency that has no base cannot be debased. I swear to God, you know, if this were the movie, The Purge, and we could find the gold standard people, they would be on the firing line for me. They'd be the first ones. Okay. But I'm sure they would be too, because they're Mad Max and it out there in the desert at Burning Man and everything else with their freaking LOL Bertarian crap. So I'm sure they've got it in their mind too. They'd love to off a fiat guy. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. But I'm telling you right now, they are the scourge of the earth. Not they, the people, but they, their mindset, they, the, the concept. Okay. Restricting the monetary system this way gives you a plausible deniability for why we can't give you health care, why we can't do anything for you, why we must make you pay through the nose for student debt, on and on and on. Okay. So these things that are baked in are things that don't need to be there. It's it's bullshit, right? It's all bullshit. Every bit of it, bullshit. Okay. But when you understand where that thinking comes from. And you start realizing that they're counting on a couple things with this. By A, number one, trying to tell you that printing money creates these problems. You've already got in your head that the government, if it prints money, it's going to cause inflation. And it already gets you to think that the government doesn't have enough money. So now you stop asking for better. And then the final coup d'etat that they do on us is they make sure that we believe that the government runs just like your checkbook. Now, I got to tell you, my checkbook, when it's negative, I start panicking. I start panicking big time. Why? Because I can't create money out of thin air. Okay? So when you play on my sensibilities and my fears of my checking account going empty, and you make me believe, that by printing money, it destroys the economy and it devalues and debases a baseless currency. Now, all of a sudden, you've got me so screwed up in the brain that I will fight for austerity or I will die on the hill to tax the rich, thinking that taxing the rich will pay for these programs. I might even be the same neo-maxi Zundweeby running around saying, well, if we can give 50 million or billion to Ukraine, hey, we could have used that money to pay for student uh, lunches or whatever, right? But we can do it either way. We can do it either way. Doesn't matter 
even though I don't want the rich to get away with it, I'm ready to eat them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and even twice on Sundays. I'm not willing to tell you ever for any reason the lie that federal taxation pays for those programs. So we need to bring the tax dollars that the rich have offshored. We need to bring all the money in. We need to snatch it from the rich. We need to go out there and chase rich people for dollars because we can't have any programs unless the rich play, pay their fair share. Unless they pay their fair share, we can't have anything nice. So they set up yet again another barrier. And it's us, we, the, the idiots that don't know that the gold standard's over, that it doesn't exist, and that we fucking let these idiot Ron Paul types tell us, oh, the private federal reserve, the private federal reserve, the private federal reserve. The only thing federal about it is this. <laughs> All the other lesser specimen sub-brained ideas. But they're intentionally planted. Keep you from asking for better. Okay? To keep you from asking for better. And they set up so many of these different barriers to success, unnecessary barriers. Very, very unnecessary barriers. And so I see uh, my buddy Bijou out there saying something. It's very important. Let me just tell you right now, the United States government does not care about investors at all in terms of the value of the dollar and whether the dollar is trading, blah, blah, blah doesn't give a rat's patootie about that, okay? Beardsley Rummel in 1946 said that the U.S., that the government is freed from the markets, that taxes for revenue are obsolete. Taxes for revenue are obsolete, okay? And when you understand that, you stop seeking to pay for programs with the rich. You stop finding anyone to say taxpayer dollars because these are machinations of the neoliberal Margaret Thatcher and Ronald Reagan. And they were said by the Jimmy Carters of the world too as he pulled Paul Volcker into the Fed and fucked us all up, okay? So I want you to be aware that these things have been planted in your brain. They've been planted in the mainstream narrative. And there are certain groups of people, usually of the LOL Bertarian, LOL Bertarian strain, that want these things to be real. And they're willing to make this fairy tale your reality. And they're trying to force you to believe that by quote unquote printing money, which we don't do, by the way, we never print. I want you to think about this. Here is a Brinks truck, okay? It, Brink's truck doesn't drive up to the treasury and say, hey, or to the mint or to the, uh, the printing anywhere. There's no printing of money, but they don't ride up there and say, hey, yo, put a bunch of pallets of fat stacks on my pallet, and put it in my Brink's truck so I can take it to the federal government so they have money. It doesn't work that way. Okay. So we don't print money ever, ever, never, never, ever, ever, except to cover tr ATM transactions and AT uh, teller transactions, the desire for cash, okay? Which, quite frankly, is at an all-time low because people are using all kinds of modern fintech-type payment systems and things are very digital to begin with, okay? But in reality, we have to understand that we have been functionally brainwashed with the idea that we're, they're just printing money 
And they hearken us back to Zimbabwe, where Mugabe had stolen. Well, he didn't steal. He reappropriated, took back the farmland, okay, and gave it to the warriors. And on the way out, the colonizers threw a torch into the fields, burned up the existing crops, and told these warriors who were not trained farmers, hey, have at it. So the food production dropped to nothing. This wasn't about printing money, 100% about real resources and the fact that they did not have food sovereignty. They did not have production sovereignty. They did not have value-added production in the country. So they were highly dependent on imports, which meant that they had to work with the currency of whoever they're buying from. If they didn't have enough foreign reserves of the nation that they're dealing with, if it's U.S. dollars, U.S. dollar reserves, if it was Great Britain, pounds, if it was freaking Japan, the yen, if it didn't have enough reserves for the transactions it's doing abroad, okay, then they were in trouble. And that's where groups like the IMF come in. Hey, we'll help you out. We'll give you foreign reserves, but you got to open all your markets. You've got to eliminate all your public spending and you got to not protect anything that is local. We are coming in to do business in your country and you're going to like it. That is what came from this. stuff. Okay. That is the stuff that came from this. So I want to be crystal clear, crystal clear that it wasn't bringing about hyperinflation like Zimbabwe and printing money. Neither was it with Weimar Republic. Weimar Republic, these people, these Germans had been decimated from World War I, crushed, destroyed. Okay. Their productive capacity had already been brought to a new low. And in the Treaty of Versailles, the French, being the French, decided to impose payments, retribution, payable only in French francs. So naturally, that's a foreign denominated currency that the Germans could not produce. And so the Germans had to do something to get French francs in order to pay their war damages. Well, then at the exact same time, had a strike in the industrial sector that brought production in Germany to its knees. In rides Adolf Hitler, printing of money started, but the printing of money was there to pay for things that didn't exist. There was no bread. There might be one loaf of bread on the shelves, and it didn't matter how many Weimar Reichsmarks you had, because in the end, it didn't matter. There was only one loaf of bread for a thousand people. It had nothing to do with printing money. But yet the disgraceful in our society will tell you it was about printing money. The evil in society will tell you it's about printing money, okay? And I'm not talking about rank and file people. I'm talking about people that know, and they do know. They're not dumb. They know. And it's part of the capital order to keep you down and keep you depressed and suppressed and oppressed. So just remember, Weimar had nothing to do with printing money. The other thing, let's talk about Venezuela, which is always thrown up as well. When you are a country that has a single export, your entire economy is based off of crude oil, refined oil. They didn't even have refineries, crude oil. When you are competing with the Saudis and all the other oil producing nations in the world that not only have crude in massive amounts, but they also have the ability to refine, also have the ability to refine, okay? Those countries can drop the bottom out of their oil. They can drop the price down to nothing. And then what happens to a country like Venezuela that doesn't have a strong uh, operating uh, environment, a strong economy, and worse, 
they had their currency pegged to the U.S. dollar. So now you've got the volatility of an external peg, meaning they tied, pretend instead of the gold standard, they had it tied to the dollar standard. So they had their money. They had to have enough U.S. dollar reserves to be able to support their local currency, their Venezuelan currency, okay? So every time the U.S. government decided to screw with them, hey, it's easy peasy because you've got an external constraint in a peg to a foreign currency. Stupid shit like that doesn't get talked about by your favorite podcasters and YouTubers and unfortunately most economists out there, okay? So it's not your fault that you don't know. You've been lied to, okay? You've been lied to so much. But that said, I want to be crystal clear. The reason why you had absolute hyperinflation, corruption, political corruption, CIA, Inter, uh, interference, Correct. a single commodity that they built their entire economy on that others could do cheaper and others could do the full thing with the refining. That's what happened in Venezuela. So I gave you three hyperinflation stories that worthless people talk about. And they always point to when they talk about printing currency, you see that middle finger wiggling around that's directly at them. Okay. Not the people, not the regular people, just the, the LOL libertarians. Yes. I'm giving them the finger. But the other people, regular people that don't know any better, that just say this shit reflexively, they're just brainwashed knuckleheads, okay? They're stupid, maybe. That's probably true. They probably lack some basic human capacity. I don't know, whatever. Um, but the most part, the people that do know, they're not just innocent people. They are real serious criminals in my mind. And this is why I want to make austerity murder and I want it to stick. And I want people to think about the people that do this stuff, not as just misguided people. I want you to think of them as a literal murderer. I want you to think of them as the South Korean or South Vietnamese guy that sat there and blew that guy's head off in the videos from the Vietnam War. I want you to think of them exactly like that. I want you to think of them exactly like that. I want you to think of them as literal murderers. I don't want you to think of them as just gentlemen's disagreement. Here, let me do the whole pinky out, pinky out, right? I don't want you to ever think of them as anything other than literal murderers because we're never going to normalize healthy living, healthy economy, healthy economics, healthy macro, healthy understanding of how this stuff works until we've made the people that are killing people because they want to get rich, until we've made them the murderers that they are, until we redefine this stuff, okay? Until we redefine how we see murder. Isn't it weird that we only think of murder as the guy with the Glock turned sideways with his pants down below his ass, sitting there carjacking some poor person because they're poor too, because neoliberalism creates alternative economies where people have to do what the fuck they have to do to survive. And all of a sudden we got crime. Guess what? Neoliberalism says we got ourselves an industry here, baby. Let's go ahead and lock them up. Let's get a private prison complex going. Let's go ahead and do the uh, school to prison pipeline. Let's make sure these poor black folk are always on the bottom rung, always in jail, always suffering. Let's make laws to make them literally hate life. Let's do it. We can do it. Yeah, let's do it. That's what happens, my friends. Okay. You create enough pain and suffering, you create criminals. You create criminals. Why? Because 
Is it a crime to want to eat? Is it a crime to want to survive? If you've got no way of getting a job because you're now, you've got a criminal record and you can't do anything. If you think about what I'm saying, how many people have died in the name of this lie? You begin to understand fundamentally that they are murderers, the people that create the lie, not the people that actually commit the murder. I mean, yes, don't fucking kill people. I get it. But the point is that you create these alternative economies by creating a society that literally condemns the poor, literally points down at the poor when they, in fact, created the poor for a purpose. They created the poor to be the servants, to be the slaves, to be the open air prison inhabitants. Okay. Now, now that we're through that, I want you to think about something else too. I want you to think about something. When the government spends money into the economy, it spends it where people are going to push back the least. Okay. So we always spend money into the military, don't we? We're always spending money into the military because we all want to wear the stars and bars, the red, white, and blue, the apple pie, all the stuff that we've always thought of American exceptionalism. So we're willing to spend. So we really haven't fundamentally processed that we're not the good guys. We're the bad guys. We haven't processed that yet. Okay. And so they play on this patriotic thinking that we're funding the military, defend our troops. Don't say anything bad about the troops. Always stand with the troops. Let's go have a parade, blah, 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 right? This is not an accident. And what do they do? Every part of the military. I did a great piece. Please check out the state-by-state -state look at the military-industrial complex. I did a few weeks ago. Very important live stream. One of my more important live streams that I've ever done, in fact. Please check it out. But within that space, they spread it out to all 50 states and territories. So there's production of military needs everywhere so that they are always begging you not to close their military base. Don't close the base. That's how we pay everything here, right? Everything about that is based on this. And that's, we have bases all around the world. What? How do they get funded? Well, I'm sure some of it is local stuff, you know, local, even in foreign countries, they're, they have a weird split mind. On one hand, they're thrilled that they've got business coming through with the GIs buying stuff in the local communities. On the other hand, they want the U.S. the hell out of there too, right? Okay. Well, it's the same thing in the U.S. as it pertains to the police department as well. We fund the police. Why? Because we've got to be tough on crime. All those folks that are committing quote unquote petty crimes, they've got to be put in jail. That means we need more jails. We need more cops. We need more militarized tanks in the streets. We need riot gear. We need freaking automatic armor piercing weapons. We need all this stuff for the local police. Now, I am a revolutionary. I say that with a glint in my eye. I don't think there's any prayer of us voting our way out of this. There's a lot of children out there that believe in the tooth fairy. They believe in St. Nick, the, the one that comes down your chimney, that is, okay? They believe in the Easter Bunny, and they also believe in electoral politics, okay? And there's others that believe in the Rothschilds too, right? But with that in mind, thank you. I saw somebody say it, so let's go ahead and throw this up there real quickly. 
please, by all means, folks, I'm begging you, subscribe, like this video, blah, 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 all that happy stuff. I'm just terrible at saying. But I want to be clear, though. The idea here is that they spend money where they're not going to get any objection. So it's not hard to pass a bill to fund the police. It's not hard to fill a, uh, to get a bill going to fund the military. You see how easy they just throw it out there? This way, you think that you're doing something to protect society. You think you're doing a good thing. But the minute you say, let's give teachers a living wage, a good pay, right? You're like, well, where are we getting that money? We're going to bankrupt, blah, blah, blah. The minute you say, let's give people health care, what do they say? Oh, where is the money coming from? How, where, where, where are we getting the tax dollars from? Blah, blah, blah. Right? Tell them that you want to get rid of student debt. It's like, well, who's going to pay for that? Okay. All these things to pay for. Have you ever heard one time where the money's coming from to quote, unquote, pay Ukraine to give them funding to fight their NATO war? Have you heard anything about that? Bueller? Bueller? Anyone? No, you haven't. And you never will. You will literally never hear about that. Because the only time, quote unquote, to pay for it is brought up, which is a lie, is when it has to do with serving the people. Because that does not fundamentally map to what they're trying to do. They need us desperate. They need us poor. Or they need us striving. They need us hungry. They need us thirsty. They need us willing. They need us pliable. They need us to work within their system. So I'm of split mind here, folks. I'm a revolutionary that recognizes many of the things I tell you about fiat currency are particularly important to know to radicalize people. And in the off chance, all my ideas of what electoralism are are all fuzzy and wrong. If somehow or another elections are literally producing the value you think they are, and I'm wrong. By the way, on the off chance that I am wrong, in that case, we're hoping that we can get elected politicians, elected, we can get politicians that are placed in the power to be able to make these decisions for us to make good calls. But alas, we know. They haven't done that. They won't do that. All you got to do is look at the squad and their reckless behavior with the railway strikers, right? They're scabs, okay? So we let's, let's do away with the charade. Let's get smart. Let's grow up Peter Pan, Count Chocula. Let's go ahead and become adults. Let's adult this thing. And let's accept that our government is captured in the United States. And many governments around the world are captured by neoliberal order. Groups that are under the NATO, EU type arrangement are neoliberal. They work together. This is what you're seeing in the geopolitical battle right now is the dividing line between that kind of thinking and the other kind of thinking, which is more collectivism. Rugged individualism, collectivism. Okay? Very important to realize that if you don't get this right, you don't get anything right. You don't get anything right, nothing right. If you don't understand the money story, you don't understand anything. Understand what I'm saying? You understand there's a problem, but I hear people talking about, for example, 
the U.S. is arming Nazis in Ukraine. This is a standard left wing. And I'm left, man. I'm left. <laughs> this is my gang, man. They're out there talking about the, we're funding Nazis. Do you think the government gives a rat's ass about funding Nazis? They don't give a shit about funding Nazis. This is purely a power play for resources and control. That's it. Because we were weird bedfellows with Joseph Stalin, even though five minutes after World War II, we were busy putting the IMF, WTO, World Bank, even the Peace Corps in the process. Okay? All of these things were there to try and lure nations, third world nations, as they call them, nations that were developing to become part of the U.S.-based system, the dollar system, because Bretton Woods Accord came out of that, okay? So it was like a worldwide dollar standard. And so they were trying to bring people into the fold and isolate communism, okay? This has been the story of the United States since 1917 with the Bolshevik Revolution, okay? And it happened all the way through World War II. And you saw it in spades, and I'm going to go deeper into this later. You saw this in spades with the fall of the Japanese Empire after Nagasaki and Hiroshima. We had to watch as the Chinese booted the J Japanese out during the revolution. We had to watch as the Koreans wanted the Japanese to fuck out of Korea. We had to watch as they wanted the Japanese out of Vietnam even. And then later, the French, okay? Ultimately, what you're dealing with here is the United States predilection, this, this ridiculously obsessive mindset to stop communism. Why do they want to stop communism? Mind you, communism hasn't really existed. The closest thing we got is down there in Cuba, okay? But real communism hasn't really happened. Even in Russia, it didn't really happen the way we think. But Russia proved what centralized planning with lots and lots of people fighting for the same thing could do. And that scared the shit out of them. They saw it happen in China, too, with Mao and the Great Leap Forward, even though, quote-unquote, he killed all these people. He didn't kill all these people. What happened quickly, if you listen to Macron and Xi's episodes with Carl Ja, you understand that what happened during the Mao era was that Mao, had, he was definitely a dictator. He was definitely the one ruler, if you will. And all of his lieutenants were afraid to tell him that production had fallen. So they were giving him fake numbers. And so he was operating as if, but in reality, they were starving the people by taking the grain that they said that they were producing and they sent it to Mao and say, hey, yeah, we're still meeting the targets. But the problem was, is that it wasn't Mao dictating to do that. It was people scared of Mao. And so as a result of that, Mao bumbleheaded through this thing and people died, they starved. That's not communism. That right there is authoritarianism. That right there is a totally different thing. Authoritarianism, dictatorship is not the same thing as communism, not the same thing as socialism. Just not. So conflating the two is ridiculous. But we've been fighting this battle. We've been fighting this battle. Okay? Nonstop. We've been fighting this battle against supposed communism for all of our lives. And you need to understand why this matters. Better dead than red was a big thing. Duck and cover was a big thing. All of these comments were a big thing. Okay? A really, really big thing. And so they have been purposely, purposely mind-fucking people by 
stars and bars. These colors don't run. We're in a quest, Lyndon Johnson. We're in a quest to crush communism. I, uh, what do you call it? Truman. We're in a quest to crush communism. Douglas MacArthur. We're going to kill communism. We're going to go into China. We're going to go into Russia. We're going to take over. We're going to destroy it. Okay. Westmoreland. We're going to attack communism. We're going to kill communism. You know what? I'm going to say one quick statement about the Vietnam War. United States absolutely crushed Vietnam. I mean, they went in there and they killed tons of people. Like the body count is not even close. The U.S. barely lost anyone compared to what the Vietnamese lost. The reason why it was unwinnable is because no matter how many died, they kept coming back. Because they weren't willing to give over their society. They weren't willing to allow capitalism to run supreme. And they certainly weren't going to be colonized yet again. The Japanese, the French, you name it. They weren't going to give in. Ho Chi Minh, Uncle Ho, my boy Ho, right? He was a master at making the country believe in itself, okay? Making the country fight. And the U.S. couldn't compete. Because people were wondering, why the fuck are we there? Why the fuck are we killing these civilians? Because we can't tell if it's a civilian, if it's a warrior, because they dressed like women. The dudes dressed like women and had their AKs up their skirt. I mean, they literally, I think to myself, these women in, in freaking, uh, like, just flip-flops of sorts, walking the Ho Chi Minh Trail, 100 miles full of pieces of armament as they're moving it to Saigon and going out for the Tet Offensive. Folks, there's too much history here for me to unpack in the short time I have to tell you this stuff. But I just want you to understand, in the end, every bit of this has been with the intention of, quote-unquote, fighting back against communism because capitalism, which is something that is kind of a misnomer, okay? The fact is the federal government could crush any kind of thing. We could have a mixed economy. We could have a democratic social, eco-socialist. doesn't matter. But our government has blessed this laissez-faire view of the world. This is why instead of collaring commodities, as my buddy Jonathan Cadman would say, or others, why they don't literally put price controls on, why they allow prices to fluctuate and they leave you and I to suffer to pay for those things, okay? If you think about what I'm telling you, if you understand what I'm saying to you, you begin to understand why the gold standard is used to try and stifle our desires, stifle our needs, to crush us. People sitting there talking about, yeah, we should return to the gold standard. Yeah, fuck you. How about that? There's your gold standard. Fuck you, right? So with that in mind, the government is the currency creator. Why do they want you to believe it's a private Federal Reserve? Well, they want you to believe that because they want you to have another barrier to believing that you could actually have nice things. They want the private Federal Reserve narrative to block that. They want the whole debasing the currency narrative to block that. They want you to believe that socialism is handouts. They don't want you to believe that it's a matter of workers getting their share of the pie and having control of their lives. They want you to think it's all about free stuff because that's what evil people do. And then non-evil people, just idiots, knuckleheads, jagoffs, okay? Jags, just another guy kind of people, go ahead and take that thinking and believe it. You know what I'm saying? Like to me, in the end, 
Hold on. I, I, somebody said something here. I want to make sure that this is slammed really, really hard, really, really fast. That is what MMT is at its core. A return to the American School of Economics. That's not true. So I want to be clear on this. MMT is a description of how a fiat currency works, period. You see this in Canada. You see this in Australia. You see it in Japan, and particularly Japan. And if you listen to my most recent interview with Bill Mitchell last weekend, you'll understand that the Japanese economy understands how to manage the bond yield curve, understands how to deal with inflation, understands how to deal with buying its own debt because they recognize selling debt is irrelevant. They can buy their own debt. Who gives a shit? Okay. But because we don't understand that, because we have it in our heads, our household budget analogy, this gold standard logic reigns supreme. It wears us out. It destroys us. Okay. So I want to be crystal clear. I want to be crystal clear. In the end, MMT describes a fiat currency, in particular, a free-floating fiat currency, and that involves China even. That involves Russia even. That involves the UK. It involves anywhere there's currency, they describes it, okay? The highest order within the MMT world for policy space is a sovereign, free-floating fiat currency not pegged to any commodity. That's not U.S. economics. In fact, the U.S. tries its best to pretend that's not real. The U.S. spends all of its time teaching our kids in school and all of our sitcoms and everything else that this truth is not real. But it is real. It is real. So with that, there's so much more I could say, but I'm just running out of time. I'm running out of time. So I want to just tell you all, thank you for sticking with me. I've had some horrible tooth pain, as I've talked about in the past. The reality is, is that until I can get my tooth fixed, it's going to be hit or miss with me making these live streams. And I've got myself overcommitted. I'm supposed to do status quo at five today. And then I'm supposed to be on generational change for the Festivus thing. I hope I hold up for all that because my tooth right now, I'm medicated. I feel okay. Um, but reality is, is that it's tough. So full disclosure, that's, that's why I've been un, uh, not in front of the camera as much as I'd like. In fact, I haven't even booked a macro and cheese episode. So maybe Bijou will do one with me, huh? Bijou, you going to come and hang out with me, man, and do a macro and cheese episode. Or are you going to be, uh, uh, like a little standoffish? You're going to make me like wine and dine you and, and, uh, pursue you. What do I got to do to get you to to come on with me, Bijou. Let me know. You can message me. You know how to reach me. Anyway, with that said, I want to thank all of you. I, I, well, hold on real quick. I wanted to thank all of you until this. Let's talk about this. Please, Rick B and everybody else, I want you to go to Macro and Cheese. I want you to go to our podcast, Macro and Cheese. I'm going to show you this because it, it's a little challenging for me, but I'm going to show you this real quickly. And I want you to think about what I'm saying. This right here is our website, okay? If you look at this right here, we got to do some facelift on this joint. But right here is the a case study in MMT with Bill Mitchell, right? That's our most recent one. But if you go in here to media, you see that? Look at all that crap that's in there, right? Most of y'all probably don't even go to our website. You should. 
So go here to Macaron Cheese Podcast. We're going to accept that. We're going to come down here and we're going to get past latest episodes and we're going to jump to reg the full episodes. I can see every one of our episodes listed this way. Then what I'm going to do is going to come up here. I'm going to do find and page. I don't need to do that actually, but I'm going to do it for you all so you can see how I find things. And you realize that there's nine things with Bill Mitchell. I've interviewed Bill Mitchell for this program nine times. Okay. We're going to go through this. He's got one on imports, exports, and empire. Please listen. That's episode 183. Then we've got this duality one, which is really, really important. I, I, I'm not even going to tell you what it's about. I want you to go check it out. We've got great show notes in there. Then you come here, the case against the UBI. Most people follow in line. Hey, everybody's saying UBI, do it. Well, wrong. Then you come down here to juxtapositions. These things, our, our naming convention are like great album covers, but they're very undescriptive, unfortunately. So going back to find the right one can be a challenge. But there here's reclaiming the Brexit, talking about the, the neoliberal um, EU. Then we got trade, foreign exchange, and modern monetary theory, a field guide. You guys always talking about that stuff. I'm telling you, I covered it back in 2019, right there, episode 39. Go down here to number eight, the world of MMT with Bill Mitchell and Stephanie Kelton. That was episode number seven, okay? Now the last one is the one that I want you to see, and that's the very first one putting the T in MMT. If you see that, then you know. We've already covered that silly word theory because, it, unfortunately, everybody's so used to working at the, uh, the, you know, the bar stool that they don't understand that a real theory is a congruent series of facts that ties together to tell you something that's one step below a law. The only reason why it's quote-unquote theory is because there's more information that can come as we grow. As we, it's, an, it's a constantly growing field of thought. And if something changes, the theory will change, but nothing has changed because this is a true statement about how a fiat currency works. That is what modern monetary theory is. And they didn't name it that. Somebody in a blog post somewhere said, hey, let's call it MMT, modern monetary theory. And so it's stuck. They didn't want that. Okay. But I gave you nine, nine episodes with Bill Mitchell. I have got 200 plus episodes of macro and cheese. 200 plus episodes of macaron cheese for you to go through each one of them a minimum of an hour i go through the russian revolution the haitian revolution i've talked about so much stuff way beyond just mmt but i've tied it all together see the the unique analysis that i'm trying to provide is a left-wing perspective with actually understanding how money works which most of these fools don't know so everything they say falls flat because it doesn't understand the way the currency works. Unfortunately, most of you all listen to them instead of ours. So you end up with this totally putrid mindset of how money works. And as a result of that, we are so far away from being able to unite for some meaningful push to get things fixed. We've got a bunch of chuckleheads out there that are sitting there pushing for funding healthcare with a fucking public bank. It's that kind of non-intelligent thinking that is killing our movement. But they're out there, and they've got more numbers. It's just like beta versus VHS. Beta was the better product, but damn it, VHS was more popular. So that's what you got with knuckleheads and the UBI. They don't know what they're talking about. They don't realize production needs to keep up. 
or you end up with inflation. They don't know any of these things. So in the end, it's important that you have a synthesis, and that's what the Macron Cheese podcast does, okay? That's what I hope the Rogue Scholar does. See, I do the Rogue Scholar because these brainiacs that I talk to in Macron Cheese, right, they don't want to be on there with a guy sitting there doing flamethrowers about murders by proxy and stuff like that. They want to be able to talk about this stuff, and it's very good, and I still get them. I still sneak in there and get them to admit how, with a folly of a lot of the things that we all dear. I make them, I always get them with a couple. <laughs> I always get them with a couple good ones, right? But I want you to understand that as we move forward, if you guys will listen to that Macron Cheese podcast, you will walk away with a PhD level of understanding as an activist how to fucking understand the system you're in. And I'm telling you right now, it's worth your time. It's worth your time. I'm a freaking former drunk, okay? And I learned this shit, and I've got two master's degrees now that I had to unlearn. I'm telling you, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this stuff out. But the more you learn and the more you know, the more you grow and the more you can impact society. So I'm hoping, hoping that you guys will follow up and watch it. And tomorrow, we've got Bob Hockett talking about the collapse of the FTX um, crypto world, okay? Please check that out so we don't have to hear any more crap about this bullshit with crypto, okay? Anyway, with that, my name's Steve Grumbine. If I don't talk to you all beforehand, if you celebrate Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. Be with your loved ones. Take some time to yourself. Enjoy, relax, rejuvenate, but get ready to fight. Let's, let's make the year of 2023 the year that we took ourselves seriously and took the government back and we fought back and we got people to believe. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. All right. With that, Bijou, you get in touch with me, man. You're next. You're the next contestant on Macro and Cheese, brother. All right. Yes, normalize binge wide. It's actually even better than that. You can listen to Macro and Cheese. You can also check it out on YouTube, but I would prefer that you check it out on podcasts. But you can check it on our sister channel, Real Progressives, um, and and go ahead and check any of them out. All right. With that, I'm out of here. I got to get back to work. Please. Do me a favor, uh, like and subscribe, follow, become a donor, please, by all stretch of the imagination. We need your help. We absolutely need your help. And with that, I think I am going to be out of here. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to support our efforts, please take a moment to subscribe and check out our other work on the Real Progress in Action YouTube channel and visit our sister organization's website at realprogressives.org. 